hopefully everybody okay we're live we had a lot of difficulties we had to switch platforms and it means we had to create an entirely new chat so uh, hopefully everybody will uh, be able to jump over and find that um, and we'll mute that and you know what while I'm talking if anybody wants to uh, throw the link well if anybody can find the link to the new one and post it up over in the old chat that would really help I think I can probably find it let me look um live yeah we can click right there you got it i just got it look at you guys going awesome all right well we're back in business it is uh it's only 9 15 we're not too late tonight um gotta love those uh technical difficulties that everybody has so uh i'm gonna jump out of the old chat and We'll jump back over here to the new one. Let me click over on that so I can get my pop-up chat. There we go. Let's pop that out, bring it over here so I can see what everybody's saying on the internal and the external. That's the wonders of modern technology, how fast we can recover from all this. So, uh, all right, we've got a lot of people that are making the jump over to the right feed now. Uh, New York Outcast ended up being first. Kinky Sphincter's out there uh, showing the Jumbo. Uh, what else we have? Clint Torres, still my favorite screen name ever. Uh, Patriot in the Dark is out there. Uh, Trauma Jock, what's up? Snob's out there. My beautiful bride is out there, and she's off to my left, uh, holding it down in the chat. You guys know how this works. She does the typing. I do the talking. Uh, Mystic Guns is out there. Net. Net Flutter, cool. Uh, Rich White and Seven Wonders, Two Live Moo, Mike. So uh, we will get this rolling. Um, I had everybody in the Oak oh, Tennessee Gun Guys out there. Um, I had everybody that is in the panel now in the other panel ready to go, except Squib. So hopefully we will see him maybe join up after a while, but I know it doesn't work as well when he's at work on his phone. So we will hopefully see him back in here. Um, we'll let everybody say hi real quick. And uh, Travis has one thing that uh, we're going to talk about a little bit before we jump into the night's topic. So uh, real quick here, we will let uh, Rich White say hello. Hello. Short and sweet. Kingpin, no, you're next. That's <laughs> true. I did. Good evening, Sandy. Good to see you. Yeah. Good to uh, good to hear you. Anyway, um, we've got uh, now. This is a new name for the chat, but uh, he did join us last week. He's just got a, a cool screen name now. So uh, everybody's favorite uh, on scene, uh, a true blue American patriot. We've got Duke Liberty. There should be fanfare for that name every time we say it. <laughs> so what's up, Mister Duke Liberty? Chat right now. You're in. We're live, dude. And it's time to say hello. Maybe not. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't see him. <laughs> yeah, I don't see him. I, heard I, him. I don't see I him. I heard him. There was a. May not have that? given. Well, he might not have. We weren't on StreamYard last week. So he may not have given his camera access either. Nope. 
he's gone. All right. Well, last but not least, uh, we'll let you say hello. And then I'm just going to let you take the floor for a little bit. Um, talking you, about Senator. that. That yeah, that link that you had uh, sent yeah. me tonight. So uh, Travis P one one. Yeah. Hey, uh, this is Travis P eleven. Uh, check out my channel over on YouTube, and also I got a little podcast we do on Monday nights called Caliber Corner at six o'clock Central Time. Make sure you check it out. Seven o'clock East Coast Time. Sandals, thank you for the invite, man. I appreciate it. Um, what well, what this is is this was something that actually popped up in the news last week in Nebraska. So if you're a Nebraska resident and you value your child's safety, I'd really like to see you guys call your representatives and, and let them know that, that you support the bill that was recently introduced by Senator Steve Halloran, or Halloran, uh, that would allow school boards to determine uh, whether or not if a, if a district would allow teachers to conceal carry in the classroom. Now, they got a few stipulations on it. And the thing is, this, this bill has been introduced by various representatives over the last, I don't know, three or four years, it seems like it pops up and then it gets tabled in committee and it dies out or whatnot. But, I mean, there it was kind of interesting is there was a, a little social media poll that was done recently by this news channel, okay, Local 4, Hastings, Nebraska News. And 62% of the people that were polled would be in favor of allowing teachers to conceal carry in the classroom. Um, and I know we've talked about this before. We've gone over it ad nauseum. But the fact that we've got a bill, it looks like there's some support for it, you know. Uh, if you do, again, you know, would like to see your children have some some form of protection in the classroom, uh, you know, for God forbid, a, a, any kind of a gunman or whatnot. It's it's always a good idea to to let your representatives know that you're in favor of bills like this. So that's that's it. That's my little uh, my little two cents worth. I want to get that out there. So no, uh, there is one interesting thing. There is some opposition from the NSCA. And, and I'm not surprised by that because they don't take a a pro firearm stance. And there's an interesting quote from one of the members of the board that is also an educator too. And oh, where's his little quote at? He says that he doesn't know of any teachers who would want to carry on campus. So maybe I need to give this guy a call and just let him know that there is in fact a Nebraska teacher out there that would be willing <laughs> to carry on campus. And there's actually more than just us, me. Okay. There are others. So anyway, just want to get that out there. So good stuff. We can get it. We can make it happen. Other States do it. It's not an issue. I don't see why it's got to be any different for us here in Nebraska. Yeah, he's in. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, she's just making sure that Squid no, it's all good. So. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, that is awesome. So those of you who are uh, in Nebraska, or if you know somebody in Nebraska, then please let them know about this. Um, in fact, I bet I can find... Where did that go to? See, I got the link for the article if you just want me to put it on the internal chat. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to have share it with anybody or whatever. You can so. you can just they, put it over there know, on, the, do on the some, external if you want to, Travis. But yeah, I'll go I'll go do that right now. Uh they do make some important points. So we, we could definitely use more funding for more Here I go. Uh, counseling and therapy services for high school students too. I don't disagree with that as a teacher myself. I mean, we do need more help for these kids than what we can currently offer. We're doing a lot, but we can do more. The funding is there. Um, but this is a whole separate issue in my opinion, and this is you know, this is it's its own thing. It's about it's about protection of the kids in the classroom. So, absolutely. All right, the, people do it for the, the children. The link is there in the YouTube chat for the uh, the article from uh, KSNB, which is uh, Hastings, I believe, Hastings, Nebraska uh, news station. But uh, if you want to if you want to grab that link and share that all across the state, yep. that would be amazing. So uh, we can spread the word. And please, all of you in Nebraska please contact your state senator 
and let them know that this is a good thing and that they should uh, they should definitely vote yes for something like this. So, all right, I do believe we have got uh, Duke Liberty back with us now, and it sounds like he can hear us. So we will let you say hi real quick if you can hear me. I can hear you loud and clear. Right on. That is a cool avatar. Yeah, um, gun that shoots jelly. We all need a squirt gun that shoots jelly. That I don't know. I don't even consider that to be a misfit toy because that is like nope. the coolest toy on the island. Oh hell yeah, bar none. <laughs> so glad that uh, glad that you could make it. And we got Squib back in here. He got his link. I uh, didn't realize that you uh, didn't grab it off the uh, the other chat there, Squib. So I apologize for making you fashionably late, but better late than not at all. I was wondering who was running this chat, you or Night Strike. Ouch. I don't know which one of us you just offended right there, but I'm pretty sure it was Night Strike. <laughs> you should probably apologize to him. All right. Well, we will get this rolling. Um, I want to have some fun tonight. We've we've talked about some kind of heavy topics, and I know that's what I like to do sometimes. But uh, yeah, no, real quick, if you yeah. want something fun, there was an interesting development in the Virginia thing that was brought to our attention during Night Strike Show. West Virginia has offered all Sanctuary counties membership in the state of West Virginia. <laughs> it's an actual resolution on in that came out of the West Virginia legislature. I just posted it out there in the YouTube chat for anybody who wants to look at it, but it's an actual thing. West Virginia is offering for all the Sanctuary counties and Sanctuary <laughs> cities to come part of West Virginia. That is pretty cool. And apparently they just uh, they just passed the no guns on Capitol grounds in Virginia. So you might be getting some new uh, neighbors, Rich. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I heard and read that, too. So. All right. Well, we're not going to get into the heavy topics. And like I have said before, there are tons of places where you can uh, go and and have the discussions and, and be in a live chat talking about the the week's uh, current events. and. We like to do other things with our with our time slot here. So uh, tonight we're going to have some fun. And I'll tell you what started this for me. And I just made this decision here on, uh, it, was, it was Sunday, I believe, uh, or it was last night. Um, but we'd been watching some TV shows. And sometimes I, well, okay, most of the time I know that I drive my wife nuts. Um, you know, typical gun guys and gals. I mean, we watch a show, we see them do something with the firearm that is completely not realistic and we always call them out on it, right? That gun can't do that. Or you, you can't fire that many times without a reload, um, or whatever the case is. Um, so we were watching this last week's episode of, uh, Chicago PD and, and we like the shows, all of the, the three Chicago med fire and PD, they all tie together and, and the, the characters kind of cross over and some of them even cross over with uh, law and order. So it, it's a cool universe. Um, I think it's Dick Wolf that created all those, but it also isn't a, it's, it's an NBC show. And sometimes they, uh, they misrepresent um, firearms, especially the lethality. I think of certain firearms and uh, the, the biggest gripe, and I'm just going to start this off, um, the biggest gripe lately on that show was uh, this last week's episode. They, they had a, a plot line where um, some of the, uh, the local drug dealers had gotten a hold of a, um, a 
part of a shipment <laughs> of, of military weapons. Uh, I don't know if there was an army shipment or a base or something had gotten robbed. And some, uh, all they called them was just MK-18s. Um, and I wasn't even sure what it was. I had to do a little research. So somebody tell me if I'm mistaken here because that could change the, the nature of my rant just a little bit. But the way I understand it, the MK-18 is just an upper, right? It's it's uh, built by Daniel Defense, and it's a 10.5-inch barrel, 10.5-inch uh, barreled upper for an M4, the way I understand it. Uh, and, of course, Uncle Sam doesn't have to worry about tax stamps for SBRs. Um, and we all know the, the advantages of the shorter-barreled, uh rifles when it comes to urban warfare clearing buildings rooms things like that we i understand how the close quarter battle uh it it definitely is is better to have the shorter barrel now the tv show made this thing appear like you know they even called it at one point the street sweeper and it can take out a whole <laughs> block in 10 seconds and I'm just by that time I've I've Googled this oh thing, right? I know what it does. Um, you put it on an M4 lower, that means it's chambered in 556 NATO, which means it's it's a short-barreled M16, is all it is, or a short-barreled M4 rather. And so um at one point they are uh they're going after you know these bad guys. They they go into this house or this apartment, and the dude comes around the corner, opens fire on them in full auto, which an M4 would be. Uh, or could be, and uh, it's shooting through the sheetrock wall, and I swear those holes were at least a half inch, probably closer to an inch in diameter. Um, now, I'm thinking if this is a stolen military shipment, then it's probably loaded with uh, either green tip or at least full metal jacket rounds. These things aren't going to blow big holes in sheetrock that, that I would think, and I, I've seen them do other things with with AR-15s or... or uh, that style rifle before where they're punching holes in the side of a vehicle that are that big. I mean, it's, it's blatantly misconceiving and all it's doing is adding fuel to the fear mongering fire, in my opinion. Um, so that is kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I said, yeah, we're definitely going to have this chat. Um, about this tonight and we're going to talk about all the shows and the movies that completely get it wrong and then we kind of want to end on a high note we'll switch gears we'll talk about some of the shows and movies that that actually get it right um so i've thrown out my first rant um we can just kind of go around the horn um as much as we can here uh if everybody else has you know a couple shows or or movies or anything in particular um that uh that they want to you know, at least start off with, and we'll just kind of see, you know, see where the discussion goes and what rabbit holes we can, we can find to go down. But, uh, but Rich, we'll start with you. So anything that you want to bring up that was, uh, actually blatant misuse or, or complete misrepresentation that, that you can think of. Well, and, and we can talk general, you know, generally too, if we want to just talk about the sound of a, a Glock with a hammer being cocked back, but first i just wanted to say that if they're calling that a street sweeper next show they're looking for a lawsuit there's a south american company a south african company that used to make a drum fed you know drum fed shotgun that yes. was called street sweeper yes and it was a piece of crap so they might be looking to recoup some of that money by suing nbc at this point you know? yes well and, and i don't i'm thinking that's what they called it um 
or not, maybe it wasn't the street sweeper. Maybe they said it's a street sweeper. I'm sure that they did a little research to uh, to avoid the lawsuit. But anyway, a copyright lawsuit. I'm telling you. Wow. Well, let's hope. <laughs> It'd be really funny if they were to put that clip up on YouTube and the company would copyright strike them. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be hilarious! <laughs> I tell you what, if I could, uh, if I could do it without a copyright strike, I would have just found that clip and, and played it for everybody. But, but uh, company sues the studio for portraying their farms in a negative light. <laughs> you know, at some point, we we really should look into the merits of that. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they're they're making all of us look bad, um, the, and they've had other storyline arcs in on that show where you know they they uh, they were looking for some illegal uh, firearms and they ended up going over to Indiana um, to a gun show because that's you know that's where you get all the bad stuff that shows up in Chicago. It, it's all coming from Indiana. Um, never mind the fact that Indiana does not have the crime issue that Illinois does, but somehow the guns that you know the the bad people in indiana that are getting guns they're smart enough to drive out of their own state before they use them you know to commit crimes so yeah whatever it's all road calls fault i mean come on yeah he's he's working gun shop in indiana it's it's everything's road calls fault honestly i mean we could probably trace anything climate change is probably road calls fault well, that's only after he's had a few. Well, definitely beers. consumes all that IPA. <laughs> he's drinking up all the water, so you know. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, we should stop. He's not here to defend himself tonight. So, ah, you know what? That's even more fun. Let's just keep going. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Rich, do you have anything that uh, that you want to lead off with as far as as uh, you know misrepresentation or misuse of guns? Um, even not necessarily just the firearm itself, but maybe shows where they're terrible about flagging everybody or, or something like that. You know, that again, things that just things that really make us as gun people upset when we see it. I don't know where to start. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, how many times on uh, Miami Vice did we see Sonny Crockett pull from that Miami Classic and just flag everybody that was all the way around and well, getting to the target with his finger on the trigger? I mean, yeah, but that was a Bren 10. So, I mean, come on, you can do that if you. There were were other times where it was a 1911, too, where he switched guns from one season to the next. Okay. There were a few different guns that he actually used on that show. I just remember um, the the Bren was. Yeah, the brand got a big 10, shot in the arm from him using it, but yeah, the brand 10, the word of 10 millimeter, and that thing was so unpleasant that they switched it to using uh 45 blanks instead of the 10 millimeter. Wow, well, they were using full on 10 millimeter blanks, they weren't um FBI standard 10 millimeters, these were the full power original loading on them. And oh, wow, he would, and Don Johnson said that his hand would be so sore after uh going through a day of having to shoot that thing because of the reshoot was being a reshoot is being a reshoot scene over and over and over again that his hand would literally be red he would have to soak it in ice when he got home because of how hot the blanks were from that so they cut him back down where it was like where they switched it to being a 45 instead wow. of wow 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 all right um all right well we'll move over then to kingpin 
and see if you have anything that you want to throw out there to start the discussion off. Uh, as far as uh, TV shows and movies, my favorite show is Hogan's Heroes. And they always have their finger squeezing the trigger. Like you can see the, the tenseness in their hands and they always point the guns at each other. And it really drives me crazy when they, <laughs> they flag each other with the finger on the trigger all the time. It's been a long time since I saw an episode of Hogan's Heroes. And then as far as misconception, probably now not in a comedy bit. So not don't think of like Police Academy and Hooks, but think of like a legitimate show where the guy shoots the gun and the bad guy flies like 10 feet in the air. Yeah. But the good guy stands still, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't make him, you know, recoil whatsoever. A really good example of that. I just here uh, not too long ago watched, um, not for the first time, but watched again, um, open range with Kevin Costner and, and uh, Robert Duvall. And there's a few, there's a few people that Kevin Costner shoots with his, um, I don't even, I wasn't paying attention to what he was shooting, but, um, you know, I'm just going to assume it was, it was probably an 1873 Colt, but either way, this is either a 44 or a 45 caliber, um, revolver that he's shooting people with. And yeah, they're, they're flying off their feet, flying backwards. Um, one guy, he shot him in the chest with, with one round and it, it blew him back through the, through the outhouse wall or the, the plank wall of the building that he was in the alley of. So, um, I'm with you on that one. And we've probably, we've probably seen all of us seen more shows that we can even, than we can count that have had that happen. But, uh, in reality, for those of you that aren't aware, that's not how it works because Newton's, I don't remember which law, but, uh, the law that says for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If, if, uh, that bullet was coming out with enough force to knock somebody off of their feet, it would do the same thing to uh, the person that was holding the gun that shot it. So I guess, I guess my last one would be, can every stormtrooper be that bad of a shot? Well, they're all clones of the same guy. See, I didn't know that. So I guess they could be. Yeah. yeah. Now um, in the, the later trilogy, they're not all the stall clones. And yeah. I, a lot of those actually can shoot though. Yeah, even in the original source material, they weren't all clones because there were people that were um, that would be uh, what's it called? Indoctrinated. Yeah, no, not indoctrinated. They were brainwashed, basically. They would be the empire would go and just mass conscription of uh, people into the Imperial Army and Navy and the stormtroopers. By the time a new hope happened, that would actually make some sense because the original stormtroopers were the clones, but. We're talking what seventeen years between episode three and episode four, so that would make some sense because at that point they'd have run out of some clones and and uh, there is an actual war going on, so that it had to replace them somehow. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's why if you look and uh, that's why if you look at like in a new hope, not all the stormtroopers were the same height. They had a height requirement to be in the stormtroopers, which is why Leia says to Luke, "Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper?" But that's because of the height requirement, not because they were all clones. Right. At that point. Yeah, that makes some sense. But uh but yeah, I mean, good point, Kingpin. It, it's there's there the only good thing that's come of that, besides the fact that of course, um, you know, none of the people that we actually care about in Star Wars ever 
took a blaster bolt uh, to the chest. So that was good. But uh, the best part of that is just the the complete goldmine of memes today that are, you know, about stormtroopers that can't hit anything. Um, there, I mean, it's still, it's not unusual to, to open up Facebook and see, a, you know, another one come through on any given day. So they're still going. It's really cool. I like it. Because they're stormtroopers. They're faceless. We can make fun of them. It doesn't matter. The universe works itself out. Yes. And if you there's a um, web page, I forget what it was. They listed some of the people that have played stormtroopers over the years. There are some big name stars that run underneath some of those helmets. Mm-hmm. Like in the most the um the um not episode the, seven the most recent tro- no not this one the um one before that the prequels. Daniel Craig was one of the stormtroopers. No. That wasn't the prequels. That was episode was seven. It, that was the Force was Awakens. Was it the Force Awakens? Yep. That's when Ray is when Ray is locked out. into the the uh, um, whatever that chair or table thing is that she's locked into when they're trying to interrogate her, and she uses the Force for the first time to convince that stormtrooper to let her out. Okay. That is Daniel Craig. That was Daniel Craig. Okay, yep. that must. Have- Okay, that must have been a little bit of a spoiler then because the article I read it actually was actually dated before the movie came out. So I was thinking that was one of the prequel ones. So Yeah, nope, nope, that was uh, that was the Force Awakens, but he was the yeah. the first order trooper that that yeah. let her out and uh, gave her his gun. Yeah, and if you go back to the original trilogy, Harrison Ford actually played two parts of Star Wars. He was Han Solo, but he was also a stormtrooper in one scene. Really? I didn't know that part either. Other, well, I mean, other than when they were him and Mark Hamill were wearing the armor for the. Yeah, you remember the originals were on a. Regurgitate some of the actors that were in the movies to put on Stormtrooper costumes because you couldn't tell it was them anyway. Or um, t- some of them oh, were um, the um, Tuscan Raiders. Some of them played Tuscan Raiders. Some of them played uh, Stormtroopers. Oh, I'm sure, because a lot of them are just extras. So that's really cool. That's just like the scene that they, uh, they left in the movie. Um, partly because they didn't have enough money to keep doing reshoots was the, um, the opening scene when the stormtroopers first come onto the, uh, the Tantive four, when the guy hits his head on the, on the, uh, the, uh, door coming through is, well, uh, realism too. I mean, you yeah. things like that would happen. I mean, those guys now that opening scene, those, uh, stormtroopers could hit. And then, we didn't see it, but when uh, when Obi Wan and Luke and the droids go back and find the the Jawas that were killed, um, mm-hmm. and Obi Wan says um, the blasters are are too precise for Sand People, yeah, so sand- they did kind of indicate that stormtroopers maybe were some decent marksmen at, at some point. So maybe there were some good ones, but um, apparently you didn't have to be a good shot to be a stormtrooper. So. Yeah, but weren't weren't the sand people like really, really primitive and just like to beat people with sticks and rip off their arms and stuff? Yes, they were. Um, They were um, weapons were modified Mos Nagants, right? uh, No, that was um, the same. Right, the stormtroopers used this. I mean, the sand people used the sand people. Whatever the sand people, they used the same rifle that the Mandalorian uses. Really? I never paid much attention to it. I do know that it's, it's the, same, the uh, it's the same base rifle. I mean, it, they changed the front end on it. But if you remember the scene where the storm, where the sand person was getting ready to snipe on Luke, 
and the other one puts his arm on his shoulder, but basically tell him not to. That I'll have right to go back and rewatch that now. The exact same base rifle that was used to make the Mandalorian's rifle. Okay. Um, I do know that uh, their uh, whatever that that war club or staff or whatever that the guy you know holds up over his head when they when they uh, jump Luke and the droids. Um, there's an axe blade on the end of that, and I I do know that that is made from. Um, oh shoot! What the heck is it? There's something that it's been repurposed. It, it was armor off of something. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's why the, the blades are super hard and, and hold an edge because they're, they're repurposed, the repurposed armor panels from something, sand crawlers or something like that. I'll throw my nerd into this. It's called it. a gaffy stick. Okay. The gaffy stick. There we go. It looks like a war club to me, but that's because I grew up in the, uh, part of the world where there used to be, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of different tribes of, of the Sioux nation running around. So I've seen a lot of different artifacts of that look like war clubs to me. Did, so. did, did the Sioux ride around on Banthas? Yes, but only single file to, to uh, hide their numbers. <laughs> Pretty sure they did. Yeah. That <sighs> would mean that the union soldiers were riding around on dewbacks. Mm, possibly. Well, yeah. I mean, What's better than a dewback, you know, to, to get across the uh, the Great American Desert? So, yeah, and they don't stink like panthers. It's true. It's true, but you got to keep them warm because they are warm blooded or cold blooded animals. So, anyway, guards at night, <laughs> and you're on Tatooine. I mean, I keeping warm isn't a problem. At least got two sons for crying out loud. Yeah, but they they both set, and I'm sure at night it gets super cold. So, all right, well. I think we have uh, beat the Star Wars horse enough here. So we will maybe come back to that here after a while, but we're going to move on and give everybody a chance to to uh, talk here tonight. So Travis, we'll move yeah, over man. to you. Man, Shows I, that uh, have some blatant disregard for reality when it comes to firearms. Uh, not just necessarily shows off the top of my head, but just any, any, any like, you know, Western movie where the, where the, the cylinder capacity of the revolver <laughs> exceeds six. Uh, or any any of these semi-autos that have like forty-five rounds. I mean, a little little shout out to John Wick. That movie did a great job at having guns that would malfunction and guns that would run out of ammo. And uh, you know, he would just ditch them as he ran out of rounds for me. Just didn't suddenly produce more and more magazines on himself. Um, one that just really drives me nuts is one of the. I, I, I eventually quit watching Walking Dead, but Rick Grimes' daughter. They had a scene where she's got a Colt Python. And for being six, man, she's an amazing shot on a 357 <laughs> Magnum revolver. Because I've fired those before, and I can't hit the broadside of the barn past 25 yards. She was picking people off across the field. That'd be at least 100 yards away, and she'd just taking them out like it's nobody's business. So uh, just, just the insane accuracy and how easy it is to do headshots. Um, you know, under pressure in action movies, it just blows my mind. I'd like to know who they train with. I don't know if that was a, <laughs> that's a tactical response program you can take or if it's, uh, you know, someplace special you can go but uh now i yeah. i don't remember the name of the uh i don't remember the name of the range but the chief instructor's name is jack wilson so because he's really good at making those those uh long range shots with a with a handgun so 
Oh, I'm not saying it's not possible, but everybody could do it in the movies. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> and well, and last thing I want to say, uh, last thing real quick is I would like to see. You know, I noticed that Kevin Sorbo did a movie recently where he was a it was a pro two A family in a time at SHTF and they have to defend themselves. I would like to see just once in like a TV show or a movie or something where just your average Joe defends themselves with their legally purchased firearm, and that's like part of the movie somehow some way shape or form and it's not like a shop owner or law enforcement or military you don't ever get that the <laughs> positive use of the self-defense firearm in any kind of media whatsoever even less when it really happens in real life i'd like to see that just once in a movie you know or somebody just honest to god had to protect themselves and they did it and they were a law-abiding citizen and you know you uh, up up until you said law-abiding i was gonna yeah, say just if you go back and watch not some a cop of the... or a bad guy or you know Right. Yeah. If you go back and watch some of the uh, the Death Wish movies, like by the third one, um, Charles Bronson had rallied that whole apartment building, and they okay. all came out of yeah. the woodwork with you know some firearms and and what a, have you. He had like a fifty cal from the uh, from the okay, window. So work, but I'm just saying, people. like in my lifetime, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it jammed yeah. up on him, and he couldn't get it get it to work right, so it killed him. But yeah, he didn't. Yeah. His his buddy did. Um, the guy a floor down or whatever that brought it back from the war and had it hidden in his in his uh, wardrobe until he just opened up the door and there you go there it is was that a fifty or was that an M nineteen nineteen I think that was God, a I don't 50. know man I don't remember spending no, 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 since no. I've seen those movies oh it was something like I said in my lifetime I like to see like just something new in terms of media movie shows where you actually get that would be honest great. to goodness defensive firearm use and that's why I want to see that movie The Reliant I haven't seen it. I know it's just kind of low budget, whatnot, but I think it'd be kind of interesting to see that perspective in a movie for once. So, yep. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, we all know that's not going to happen because, I, <laughs> I mean, you'd get, again, you'd get completely blacklisted in Hollywood for, for doing something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen the hubbub, but I do know that apparently Hollywood's mad at Vince Vaughn um, for something. Yeah. So, good yeah, old, he, he met with culture. Yeah, he uh, met with Trump at the, um, college football championship game so everybody's throwing a temper tantrum about that oh well you know it's Vince Vaughn he can pretty well do what he wants to anyway but you know it's funny because there are a few people that are kind of just established um that you wouldn't you wouldn't expect anything else like if that was Clint Eastwood I don't think that Hollywood would be you know in too much of an uproar but maybe maybe I'm wrong maybe heck maybe Eastwood's more of a more of a, a liberal than what I think he is, but I, I'm pretty sure I read a quote from him that said his idea of gun control is if there's a gun, he wants to be the one in control of it. So I, I think that he's a gun guy, but it's, it's funny because there are so many people out there in Hollywood that are closet pro to a people, but they, in order to make a living doing what they do, they can't tell anybody. They can't let anybody know um, just like being a closet conservative in, in Hollywood. So it's, it's sad that just because you believe that, you know, people should have individual liberties and should be able to exercise them as they see fit. It's sad that that can cost you a career. Yeah, um, what's crazy about the Vince Vaughn thing is they're throwing a fit about him uh, meeting with Trump. You know, he's not closeted at all about being a Second Amendment supporter and being conservative and all this other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing they throw a fit about it, it's not that he likes guns, love because he showed Trump's hand at a football game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it is kind of dumb. But then it just kind of goes with with everything else that uh, that we see and hear from them. Everything's kind of dumb when you're talking about that group. So yeah, it's it's bad enough oh, that yeah. uh, a comedian from England can completely rip on them and. Um, and he's not even one of us. He's still one of them, but you know, they just think, Oh, it's funny. It's Ricky, whatever. Ha ha. You know, and he doesn't get canceled for calling them all out. So yeah, yeah he's one of them to an extent because he doesn't think they should, he literally legitimately does not think that they should be pushing their views on others the way they do. He has said this in an interview. Yes. Even before going into the golden globes, he does not like when they get up in front of people and start running their mouths. He honestly believes that they just need to go do their jobs and shut out. Who else was it? Alice Cooper, I think that that said the same thing. That uh, um, you know, you're you're a celebrity, you're a musician, you're an actor, whatever. Um, that that doesn't mean that you get to tell people how to live their life. So that was kind of cool. I think it was Alice Cooper that said that. Uh, real quick, we've got a super chat out there from Kinky Sphincter. Uh, you see how they treated Chris Pratt for wearing a uh, "Don't Tread on Me" shirt? Yes. Um, although he's still star Lord. So what are they going to do? Um, and he's one of those guys that I think is going to be, is going to be okay in the end, because I guess I haven't heard much about him completely getting canceled, but he's also got a famous wife. So I don't think they're going to hurt for money, but plus every time that I watch, uh, any of the, the guardians of the galaxy movies or, or, uh, infinity war or Endgame on, any streaming service, I think he gets a cut. So that's kind of cool. Um, Tom Heyer out there in the chat says there's a good picture of Hillary Duff leaving the gun store with uh, good trigger discipline, even carrying the case. I've seen that. She's carrying a Glock case. No, did anybody ever confirm whether or not there was a Glock in it, though, or was it just a case? Um, Clint says Alice Cooper's a longtime Republican. Cool. Uh, what's up ohio 45 acp we see you out there um glad you stopped in for a second and speaking (laughs) speaking of alice cooper did you ever hear the story about when elvis told him to point a pistol at him or revolver at him Uh uh-uh okay alice cooper was at going to this party at this hotel in vegas this is when elvis was doing the vegas shows right doesn't know who's hosting it he walks in gets goes up the elevator gets off the elevator walks into the apartment it's elvis's apartment in vegas and you're like, somebody he knows comes up to him and says, hey, come here, come into the kitchen. Somebody wants to meet you. So he goes into the kitchen, and there's Elvis standing there in one of his sequin body suits, standing around talking to everybody. And he's like, hey, hey, man, come here. I want to talk to you. And he's like telling him about how he likes me. He's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to show you something. Pulls out his uh, revolver, the one he always carried, want the mother of Pearl handle and everything. The one that they had on Sons of Guns, if you remember, that they, Joe Perry was trying to buy, it was that revolver. Okay. He empties it, hands it to Alice Cooper's like, point that gun at me. And Alice Cooper's like, well, wait, what? He's like, point the gun at me. See, Alice Cooper didn't know that Elvis was a superior martial artist. I mean, Elvis was a practicing martial artist almost his entire career, right? So he points the gun at him. He's like, next thing I knew, I'm looking up at the ceiling. I didn't even see Elvis move. I did, he just hit me so fast and got <laughs> me on his butt so quickly. I didn't even know what hit me. <laughs> that's awesome no i i did just watch her not too long ago he was on uh or he wasn't obviously but um elvis's guns were on an episode of gun stories and they somebody on that episode told the story of elvis going to the white house because he wanted to meet uh president nixon and give him a gun 
And how many people besides Elvis can walk up to the White House with a gun in a presentation box and get in and make it to the Oval Office and present it to the president? Yeah, uh, at least since Lincoln was killed anyway. That, right? <laughs> That's a pretty well, good point. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like he was watching a play in, in the theater or driving in a Ford car. So, so uh, still, but yeah, that, yeah, well, and that was post, post Kennedy too. So yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think anybody but Elvis could have possibly gotten away with that. So um, all right, moving right along. Let's get through everybody here before we, uh, before we run out of time here. So Mr. Liberty, anything oh, you want to throw my. out there for. Yeah. The, uh, the, ex- the, uh, so the scene in commando, when he goes to the military supply shop and goes in the back room <laughs> and finds all the guns, that stuff, uh, just the accessibility of guns like that, uh, full autos, just, just sitting in the back of some military supply store. Now, uh, keep in mind that he had to go behind the counter and find the special button that opened up the wall. I mean, those right. weren't just out in, in full view, but he knew they were there. He did. He did uh, stuff like that. I, I mean, I love, gosh, we all wish it could be the the truth. Um, but uh, like, I have a big problem with going back to the Walking Dead with what Travis said. Uh, the uh, no optics on like M4, M16 models, and they're just shooting at people looking at a front side post. That drives me crazy. <laughs> dust covers are usually up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just watch yeah. that. How many dust covers are up? And they've been in the middle of a gunfight, and their dust covers closed on their ARs. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I just looked it up. That gunshot that, that those guns being in that Army Navy store is plausible. That was in '85. That was before the ban. Well, that's Where true. The tax stamp. He they could have had all those guns in that <laughs> shop. I mean, I would that that doesn't stop you know me at seven years old thinking that's going to happen at my local uh, <laughs> Army supplier uh, Army surplus store when I'm going in there trying to find a secret door. That doesn't stop me at seven years old wishing that I had an Army supplier. <laughs> army surplus store close by to even go into yeah, even just to get the cool stuff like the swim fins and the you know the vest yeah. and bdus yeah. and all that <laughs> i guess back then they weren't bdus they were fatigues yeah, none, so, of yeah. The, none of the um, army navy stores when i was a kid had guns in them they all had the cool um uniforms and stuff but they didn't have any of the guns in them no because most of them were yeah, ffls some, uh, sweet knives in them. Like, but, yeah uh, and like and just the oversight bothers me on like a show like The Walking Dead. It's like a that's like the that, that at a time that was the biggest show ever. And you're telling me you don't have a gun expert on hand that can like check this stuff and say like, "Hey, Rick, point your pistol up." Um, I you know things like that. That's a very good point because I've often wondered about that. How do you make a TV show? How do you make a movie, especially like a feature film in Hollywood? How do you make something like that and not think that you should pay somebody to come in and advise you on what's realistic? I mean, granted, maybe they could get away with it more in the eighties when, you know, Stallone and Schwarzenegger and and Chuck Norris were, you know, one man armies, but today in this day and age, you know, people, people don't want that kind of of uh fantasy anymore that's why schwarzenegger made last action hero and true lies to to make fun of himself in his old movies even um and nowadays i think that realism is what really sells i mean how many people have um how many people have have talked about movies like 13 hours or 
Um, even Saving Private Ryan, you know, that opening scene where people have said that is a pretty good, um, a pretty good representation of what uh, Omaha Beach actually was like. Um, you right. know, there's so many movies that are out there and they're, they're talked up because of the realism and well, because this is actually what it was really like, or the best representation that you can put on the big screen. Um, that's what people want today. So how do you get it that wrong when people want it right? Right. It's like, uh, Dale die. He's the one who trained the actors for saving private Ryan. He's the same guy who I think trained red Dawn, the red Dawn crew. Uh, from the 80s he like put them through a boot camp um so they understood tactics they understood weapons handling the basic stuff and that's why those movies uh stand up to got to scrutiny like us uh from guys like us um a lot of the time i think it, it's a great thing nope that was cool out there in the chat ohio 45 acp so that's how his armory works how does yours open up well i guess um the question I have is, what are you talking about? Armory? My mine doesn't open up. It's on my dresser. So I've said this before. Um, we don't have any little curious fingers in our house. And so uh, the only curious fingers that we have are, are mine and, and uh, mine know how to properly handle a firearm without uh, pointing it at, at something I don't want to shoot. So, um, so uh, we don't have to worry about just leaving them out. So I've usually got them just laying on the dresser. Um, long guns are usually in a, in a soft case um, someplace, but they're, we don't have like an actual vault that I have to go hit a button and a special code and the wall opens up and, you know, there's just racks upon racks upon racks of firearms yet. But one day that's on the bucket list. So one day that that's my goal is to have something that's worthy of, a secret code and the wall opens up and there's there's the, the gun vault. So we'll just go for one of those concealed carry coffee tables in the meantime. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just as good as anything else. Uh double A's asking about the movie Act of Valor. I have not seen that one. So if anybody that has seen it wants to sound off on Act of Valor. Uh is that that's the uh the movie that featured the Navy SEALs in it? Yeah. Are we thinking oh, of the is right that the one, one that was? Uh, it was filmed with Navy SEALs. They have to go track down a terrorist that's making the ceramic. Screenplay vest. was written by Tom Clancy or something, and it was filmed with real SEALs. Is that right? Yeah, I don't. Did he write the screenplay for it or not? He, he was yeah, involved yeah. with it. I don't know if he co-wrote it or uh, his name was attached to that movie somehow. I think I, yeah, I do, did I watch do that. It. Now I saw that a I say that, when it first came out, it was pretty. It was pretty interesting because they show a lot of how they do their like their CQB stuff and how they go in and sweep in an area and, and extract and stuff like that. It's yeah. Which is, that's pretty cool. Um, it's worth watching at least once. I mean, I did buy it. I did see it in the theater. And um, if that's a movie I'm thinking of, cause there was also, what was the Mark Wahlberg movie? Oh, Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. That one I'd have to go back and rewatch. Um, I recently bought that from the $5 movie bin at walmart but i uh, i haven't rewatched it yet i've only seen it the one time so um i'd have to go back and rewatch that and pay more attention to the tactics and things which i don't know that i don't know military tactics but at least the fact of whether or not they're pointing their guns at each other uh yeah i'd be able to pick trigger, up on that trigger uh, yeah trigger discipline trigger discipline yeah yeah things like that so um sometimes it is nice though when you have those movies that are based on true stories because i I want to say that I remember 
seeing or reading that uh, Marcus Luttrell was actually involved in the making of that movie. Um, so, I mean, having him on set would definitely be the best option for making sure that it looks not only realistic, but, but it also tells the story the way that it happened. Um, 13 hours is another, another one where over half the days that they were filming, they had at least one of the, one of the guys that was actually there in Benghazi on the set, um, showing them how stuff worked and, and what they actually did and what they actually said. So that was cool. To Helen back. Can't remember. Audie Murphy played himself. I didn't realize he made a movie about himself, but that's, yeah, that was the that's first awesome. movie he ever did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, Audie I, Murphy was, uh, I tell you what, you talk about an American hero, that man. Yeah. So, and I don't even remember now he was, he was was he pinned down or behind enemy lines what was the actual story um that happened to him before he before he came home um i know he he fought a tremendous battle against completely against all the odds so the tank got hit and it was burning and he ordered everybody so back i don't know the story off the top of my head we'd have and to look he, it up but yeah it was pretty was pretty go ahead, Quib. They were uh, on some sort of patrol or mission or something like that, and uh, uh, a tank got hit, and it was burning, and he ordered everybody back, and he jumped on the back of the tank, and he held off multiple advances by German infantry single-handedly with a 50-cal machine gun on the back of a burning tank for I don't know how long. I don't know how he made his ammunition last, or it, but it was multiple. They would they would come in, he'd... he'd uh, He'd get him to retreat. They'd try again. He'd get him to retreat. And that's that's all I remember about the story. But it's it's that selfless act or that lone guy holding back. And, and you know, this, um, a Marine named Smedley Butler did the same thing during the Boxer Rebellion. He held off. He held off all these Chinese rebels single-handedly in front of the embassy, I think, with a 30-cal machine gun. Water cooled, thirty cal machine gun, handheld. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So this stuff really does happen. It's real acts of, of valor, but it's also crazy suicidal because you're outnumbered or you've got a heavy weapon. In Audie Murphy's case, he's standing on a tank that was on fire. Had the ammunition cooked off or something else like that, they would have found pieces of him. Wow. Well, and for all of those uh, stories of somebody that we know that that did that and, and came home. How many, how many other stories are out there of somebody who, uh, um, you know, sacrificed themselves, but the story never got told. Right. I mean, it's just, there were, there's so many, so many different stories just from, just from world war two alone of, of, you know, acts of, of heroism and valor like that. Um, my own grandpa, sometime I'm going to, I'm going to get all the facts straight and post up a video of uh of my own grandpa but uh he he received a bronze star for um you know something that he did that that pulled somebody out of um basically german artillery fire um so he you know thank goodness made it home to to tell that story but he hadn't really talked about it a whole lot until um just the the few years before he passed away so um a lot of those stories i know were never told and, 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 uh, you know, went with him, but 
just some of the stuff that he talked about. I mean, I, I can't wrap my head around what it was like to, to go there and do that and, and, uh, see the things that, that he saw before he came back. So my grandpa always lived his life. Like he was living on, on bonus time. Cause he was when they, uh, when they got ready to, to ship out and, and go, um, go over to Europe, they all got told they weren't coming home and they all went anyway. And then he did come home. So he figured that he was living on, you know, living on bonus time that he wasn't supposed to have. So he was kind of a pretty happy go lucky guy most of the time. So it was really cool to, to find out. Unfortunately, I didn't really know all that until, uh, my uncle gave his eulogy at the funeral, but, uh, um, I learned a lot that day too, of just, that's, why my granddad acted the way that he did because he didn't think he was coming home. So every day after that was a gift. So that was pretty cool to learn. Uh, Clint's out there saying he went and saw 1917 earlier tonight and it was awesome. Um, I've heard that. I've heard that there's not a lot of actual uh, um, battle scenes in the movie, but there's, it's a really good movie. Um, so I, I definitely want to want to see that. Yeah. Double a, um, three of the six guys were, were on set in, in some combination, at least one of them was on set for over half the days they filmed 13 hours. Um, I know I've been bragging about it, but, but, uh, Mrs. Sandhills and I actually got to go meet Chris Peranto here a few weeks ago and, and, uh, got a real quick interview with him, invited him on the show. So we'll see if, see if that happens. But, uh, um, that video is up on the channel. So you guys can go check that out too. It was cool to, to go meet the guy, he was the one, if you've seen 13 hours, he was the one that fought the whole battle in, in cargo shorts the whole night, never had long pants on. So one of the uh, things that we missed was the, uh, the box of ammo and the bonfire. And then all the windows in the town get shot out because the, the bullets start burning. <laughs> oh, come on. It doesn't work that way. Those casings might be going off and hitting windows. Yeah, it's, it's a possibility. I don't think I'm going to break any of them. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're probably right. Um, all right, let's come around full circle. And uh, Squib, we haven't given you a chance just to uh, talk about shows and movies that, that they get it wrong. So we'll give you a chance to, to talk on your own without chiming in on, on what we've been saying. I'll just talk about one movie. Okay. Uh, it's a movie I like. First off, full disclosure, I like this movie. I But... And I saw this movie in the theater when I was a teenager. So, of course, I thought... The Wizard of, the of Oz? In it. What's that? The Wizard of Oz? Gone with the Wind. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was it a silent movie? It was something about some people going to the moon or something. <laughs> okay, I'll let you talk. Sorry, I couldn't talk over this. Uh, I don't know if you hear that. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. Loud exhaust. Oh, no, whatever. You're, Somebody you're needs good. to go to the muffler, man. Uh, oh, I yeah. you. <laughs> okay. So I saw this movie when I was a teenager. So I thought some of the stuff that was done with the guns was real at the time. After I was in the military, I realized some of the stuff was not. So the movie is predator. So for those of you who uh, saw Jesse, the body's character, Blaine, he had the minigun. Now, before somebody goes, yeah, it's an M134. No, it's a Gow 2 Bravo. Mm -hmm. I, I, all the time I hear people, eh, M134 is Gow 2 Bravo. And then after that, it was a Gow 17. I don't know where this M134 stuff come from. I guess it's because I'm an old dog. 
but you can hand you can hand hold one of those things. It's not that heavy. Recoil, you could probably manage it. Uh, FPS Russia before he went to prison went overseas and rented one and shot one, and there's footage of him shooting it. But what you don't see in the video is all the equipment it takes to run the gun. Mm -hmm. It's not that he couldn't carry the gun, and the backpack he carried was similar to a, a backpack that SEALs used in Vietnam to carry ammunition that they fed into M60 machine guns, which fired a much slower rate than a, a minigun. So they, he could have carried the ammo, but he wouldn't have carried enough ammo to shoot more than... Uh, a few seconds and all the support equipment to make the gun run weigh so much and are so bulky. There's no way somebody can carry one of those. You could use one from a fixed position or mounted on a vehicle or aircraft or something like that, but there's no way you could carry everything you need to get the gun to shoot. And there's definitely no way that he would have been able to carry enough ammunition to cut all those trees down. That's no. a lot of ammo. Yeah. That's a lot you. of ammo. There was an interview with Ventura himself right after the movie came out. He said he would have had maybe at most in that backpack two, three seconds worth of ammo and it would have been yep. that oh. see it had one pistol grip on it and a real Gal two or Gal seventeen has two grips on it. The grip on your left is guns low. That's twenty one rounds a second. So you pull the trigger, one, two, three, four, five, then you pull the trigger on the right and count to five. And by then you're up to forty two rounds a second. When you let off, you let off the right. Count the five. One, two, three, four, five. Then you let off the left, and then it cycles down. Without, without both triggers, you're either going to be shooting at high speed or low speed. I would imagine that if you were to make this in real life, you would want it shooting on low speed. If you, if you go too fast with that or you try to go to high speed right away, you'll jam the gun. You will jam the Gatling gun. And uh, so, I, so I do know that even even the gun that they use to film that off camera is the battery that runs it because um, that didn't he didn't lug that around. But yeah, he uses uh, a twenty eight volt aircraft battery. If you if you didn't have a a generator produ producing twenty eight volts DC. Yep. So they they either whatever it was whether it was a generator I think it was the battery but that was on the ground next to him they just never put it in the frame. Right. So it, it looks like he's lugging everything to, to run that gun. But yeah, those are electric powered. So. Right. It's, ele it's electric to spin it, but uh, it is percussion. It is. It does use a firing pin. It does hit a primer, does strike right. a primer. So you could manually spin it and shoot a hole through your foot. Right. But an electric <laughs> motor is what spins the barrel. So spins it. Right. Right. Yep. And, uh, and there's actually the battery goes to a control box, which goes up to the saddle that you mount the grips on. And then you mount the gun in there and uh, the feeder and the chute to eject it. It's a, it's a big, it's a big to do. And the ammunition weighs a lot. If we carry the max ammo we could on a Huey for one of the miniguns, 8,000 rounds, it weighed so much that it really didn't have much more. It really couldn't carry too much more. Like you, you definitely weren't carrying any troops. So uh, that's how much it, it weighs it down. So it was great for the movie because it looked really cool. But in real life, you can't really effectively do that. The other thing in the movie that wouldn't work out in real life was Schwarzenegger had the M203 grenade launcher. So when you fire an M203, you fire it at an arc. You lob the grenade in mm -hmm. almost like a mortar. He was firing it directly. He was also firing it at close range. The grenades don't arm until they get 40 meters away from you.
for safety purposes, because if they arm any closer to net, you're going to get hit in the blast too. So using it at close range and firing it directly at somebody, maybe with a buckshot round, sure. But any of the explosive rounds or anything like that, you, it just, it, it, it doesn't work that way. So didn't, uh, didn't he also have one of those grenades tied to an arrow? That he fired at the Predator? Uh, yeah, and I've never tried to crack one of those things open, so I'm not exactly sure how the fuse would work on that if you could rig it to... Because, uh, I mean, if you take it apart, and I, I suppose, but I, I don't want to say, because, you know, as, as many things as we learned, we never learned how to take 40-millimeter grenades and attach them to spears. Huh. So. <laughs> Which is... Weird. I mean, you'd think that would be day one, but yeah. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the one thing that they didn't do in boot or MCT that I thought they would do was some sort of weapons familiarization with enemy weapons. You think they would at least let us take a crack at shooting an AK or or, or gone over some some other Warsaw Pack weapons or something like that? But uh, I that honestly wasn't the case. Think that that should be on it? Yeah, you're right. I, I would think so sense. too. Because you're going to pick up a Kalashnikov at any, I mean, any battle site that where we're fighting an actual war, there's going to likely be Kalashnikovs there. That, that happens now, Squib. They more do that now? Yeah, it's more recent. Uh, okay, more recent is 2007, 6? Yeah, I'm an old dog, oh, yeah. so that, that's yep. really recent for me. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah it, it's, a big, it's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, they weren't doing that in 99, so I can go that Hard to tell you they weren't doing it back in '99. Not not MCT. It's later on. It's like uh, Mojave Viper stuff before you push out. So yep. All right, when you're working up. All right, yeah. That's cool. That's good to know because yeah, that seems like a skill that everybody should have now is to be able to pick up a at least a Kalashnikov and and at least know the basic workings of it, how to take the safe off so it'll fire. Yeah, and that and that's just it. I I didn't learn how. I never handled one or learned how to work one. Until I was a civilian later. Speaking of which, I was uh, visiting a, a buddy of mine that has uh, has a pawn shop today, and and as I was talking to him, um, FedEx delivered a package, and he opened up the box, and it was a PSAK forty seven. Um, so he pulled it out and handed it to me, and and it's got uh, it's got plastic furniture on it. And I said, I've I've uh, he goes, have you seen one of these? I said, not from PSA. He goes, yeah, the ones with wood furniture are really nice and hands me the one with plastic. <laughs> oh, gotcha. So at least I have finally gotten to at least touch a PSAK-47. I don't know the differences between all the different manufacturers, so look like every other AK I've, I've ever looked at. Um, Out there in the chat, Kinky says, you know the history behind that scene, right? I'm assuming we're still talking about... um the the minigun scene in predator at this point um director wanted to show how useless guns are in the real world he was hardcore anti-gun so they mowed down a forest <laughs> you know, i mean you you walk them onto target you walk the rounds onto target every fifth round's a tracer unless you take all the tracers out which we've done before uh at night if you don't have any tracers in there, they can't see you shooting at them because they don't see the, the red lines coming down from the sky. So sometimes we take the tracers out of the belts and then relink them. 
And what you would do is we would bore sight an invisible laser uh, onto uh, the, the top of uh, on top of the gun, and you would you would uh, point it at the target, and your night vision goggles would see the laser. You couldn't see it with the naked eye, but you could see it with the and it would it would be somewhat bore sighted to the, to the gun. You'd still have to at that rate of fire, whether you're using a 50 cal or a minigun or an M60 or something like that. You would you would still have to uh, walk them onto the target, uh, but with tracers, it's a little bit easier to do that. But then you you kind of lose that element of surprise, kind of you know when everything's dark because the plane the aircraft ain't flying with its uh, anti collision lights on or anything out in combat. Uh, isn't, but, isn't there still some muzzle flash though? Eh, it's not it's not like what you would think. And mm-hmm. on the um, on the Gal two Bravo, it didn't have. Um, flash suppressors on there but on the on the gal 17 which was an improvement on the minigun it added uh improved drive in the back and then they put flash suppressors at the end of all six barrels okay so i mean just depending i mean you're gonna hear the helicopter too but sometimes uh you know you're looking up there's trees or stuff like you can't tell what direction it's coming from well it depends on how many blades are on the road or sometimes like is it five or six blade rotors you uh disperses the sound enough it's hard to local localize the sound anyway right when we were in washington dc the capitol police were flying overhead with a huey but i didn't recognize it as a huey at first because we only had two bladed ones and they're loud and this was uh, a four bladed one and it was a lot quieter mm-hmm. and i was like that looks like a huey but it don't sound like a huey and yeah i think rich had to point that out to me that no it's a huey it was yeah. it was a it was a bell 412 i think so yeah. um that's cool. Yeah, That's but, awesome. but a minigun a minigun eats up ammo quickly, really, really fast. The crew chiefs didn't like taking them up, partly because of the rate of fire, partly because of all the extra BS, the weight. You had to mount that control box up in the uh, up up inside the the cabin of the aircraft, all the wiring, all that crap. And most of the time, they preferred to take up the 50 cal. And honestly, I preferred the 50 cal too. And you might say, but it shoots slower. Yeah, but it's it's uh, also a harder hitting round. It's a lot easier to walk it onto target. You can carry a lot more ammo, even though it's it's big and heavy. Uh, you know, we we would uh, we would use the 50 cal a lot more than we would use the minigun, actually. Hmm, that's very cool. All right. Well, let's go back through here. Um, it took us a long time just to go around the horn, so I think we'll just kind of roundtable this part. But there are some shows and there are some movies out there that completely get it right. Um, and one of them got mentioned earlier, um, John Wick. I mean, all of the actors and all of the stunt doubles um, trained with Taron Butler on all three of those movies. So, and, and it shows, I mean, you can tell when you watch the movies, you can see the three gun training um, showing up there on the screen. But um, what was cool was seeing the, the interview with Taron Butler, where I never thought about it before he had to train Keanu Reeves and Halle Berry, of course, um, and a few of the other people, but then he also had to train all of their stunt doubles so that you've got continuity of motions so that uh, um, when it's time to do a reload that, if Keanu's face is on screen and he does a reload one way and then he's got his back to the screen, which is the stunt double. And that guy does a completely different way. People are going to notice that. 
And so they took the time to, to not only train the actors, but to train all of the people that were going to be standing in for the actor so that everything you had that, that continuity of, uh, not just the manual of arms, but also the motion. And they all went through the same training. So that was kind of cool to, I'd never thought about that. Never considered that you have to do more than just train the actor uh, until he said that. But he said, yeah, he had to train about a dozen people for those movies altogether, not just the three or four actors. So that was kind of cool to hear. Um, any other shows that, that, uh, definitely get it right. And you can tell that, uh, you can tell that the, the people that, that are handling the firearms on the show, either they're gun people or, or they've been trained by, by actual shooters. Oh, I don't, um, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever watched Hollywood weapons. It's where mm -hmm. they go and test Hollywood myths. Uh -huh. They had an episode where they, uh, centered just on Quigley down under. And they I didn't see that one. I'm glad you're going here, Rich. They tested different um things that they did in Quigley Down Under, and the scene where he shoots the two guys at like 600 yards with the sharps and puts a bullet through both guys. Mm -hmm. They tested that. Not only did um oh, what's his name? I can't think of the name guy's name now, but he's former um special officer. Terry Shepard. Yes, thank you. He shot. They thought he missed, so he shot a second time. He actually hit the first time and put the bullet through both guys, and he did the same thing with the second shot as well through both targets. Remember and that, this is, that this was is shooting a, a forty-five one ten. It was a one twenty at the forty-five one twenty. I think it was uh, it was whatever it was the exact rifle that was used by Tom Selleck. Okay, movie. so which was a forty-five one ten. Yep, forty-five one ten. Forty-five one ten. Okay. I could when you he he was able to do that at. It was either it was I can't remember if it was six hundred or eight hundred, but he did it twice with iron sights and put it through to both targets with one shot, two, one bullet, two targets. It's I've like not seen movie. that episode. I need to find that one. Now yeah. I, I haven't seen that either. But when you said think of a movie or TV show where they got it right, that was the only thing that came to my mind. It is possible to fire a sharps, especially in that caliber, uh, with those sights. And, and get that sort of accuracy. And if you oh, notice, he, he slow fires. He, he fires slow. Remember one scene? He wipes the sweat from his eyes. He yep. takes a breath. before he, He's got the time. He'd rather take his time and hit the target than rush the shot. In the scene where she's fighting off those dingoes, she, you can actually see her pull the lever or the plunger on the, on the cap and ball revolver because she's reloading it. Mm -hmm. And then when he's in town, he's talking with the uh, the shop owner about reloading and cutting down the brass and all this other stuff. So there were some elements of realism in there. Or um, when uh, can't think of the guy, Alan Rickman's character was out there shooting his revolvers in the morning to clean out the old powder. I I mean I heard that uh, uh, Bill Hickok did the same thing every morning was to clean out the old powder. Hmm. So it is entirely plausible that the things that were in that movie had some realism to them. And Tom Selleck is a gun guy. Yes. They measured, they made that gun for him. They, they measured it to his height and, and you, the company that made that gun will make you a gun and they will custom make it to fit your stature. And they'll even put your initials on it. That was so, Bertie, wasn't it? No, no, no. It's Shiloh Sharps. Oh, it's Shiloh, Shiloh Sharps. True Shiloh Sharps. No, the name of the company is Shiloh Sharps. It's it's not a it's it's a reproduction of a Sharps rifle. And they make them in different calibers. Mm 
-hmm. and they will customize it for you. They do have a Quigley model, which is, you know, you can have it made just like Tom Selleck's gun if you want, or you can have it made to your, your height and all that. And you can have it made in, in whatever caliber you want that they offer, because they offer multiple calibers for it. Right. And they do have some other, other guns. I'm, every now and then I check in on it, and there's always a back order on them. There's a months and months wait to get this rifle if you want to have it. Or, and it's very expensive, but it, it, is, it is well made. But you can get the exact same kind of gun that was used in the movie. So there was some authenticity there, and, and Tom Selleck is a gun guy. I've heard that part of his contract when he does movies and TV shows is that he has the option to keep the guns that he uses as, his, as the actor. He, uh, he did that with Quigley. That, that rifle is in Springfield, Missouri at Bass Pro Shops. They've got it's in the, Iowa. Mm, it's in Iowa. Then they've moved it since I was there a year and a half ago. Or, it's, uh, or it's, uh, there's it's more there. than one it's of a... that rifle in in display cases because they said Very that easy. was the rifle that he used, or they had more than one of them. Yeah. Now, see, I don't know if they had more than one of them, but there's one upstairs there, at Brownells. There is a forty five one ten sharps in the display case at uh, in the um, what do they call that? It's not the NRA museum, but there is an NRA firearms museum at Bass Pro. Now, see, maybe. Maybe they did have more than one for it the was, movie because a lot of times they'll have backup from Tom Selleck's personal collection. Yeah. He didn't donate it; it was on loan. Okay, There's the one at Brownells, um, I think Pete Brownell owns. Okay, but it's supposedly the Quigley rifle, so maybe they made. I don't know. Well, this was apparently Tom Selleck's personal rifle. It was just on loan to them. Yeah, they, um, they probably have more than one. I would assume so. Oh, it's just like. It's have, just like the the Clint Eastwood Model Twenty Nine. Didn't they have like two or three of those? Yeah, because yeah, and there might. Nope, they were now that same that same display because um, you got to go up the stairs. It's just a long narrow corridor, and then you uh, it's kind of L shaped, and you you make a turn, a right turn, ninety degrees, and then you keep going. And the back uh, and there's some it's two levels, and there's some steps, but. One of those two back walls after you make that turn, either the top or the bottom level, is uh, um, glass on both sides so you can see them from, from the outside too. But there's a whole bunch of movie guns. Some of them are, are rubber props. There's a rubber prop of Chris Kyle's, um, uh, not his sniper rifle, but the whatever the, the uh, whatever his automatic, that he was carrying in that movie. There's a rubber four. Well, it was it an M four. I was thinking it was something a little fancier. Um, might've just been an M four, but anyway, there's a, there's a rubber dummy of that gun, which looks, I mean, I had to be told it was rubber. Then I look closer and you can kind of see a little bit of the spots where you can tell it was molded. Um, there's a couple molded rubber, uh, walkers from outlaw Josie Wales. Um, there's some other stuff. There's a, there's a, a whole panel though. It, it's, they're like, you know, four foot wide panels or whatever, um, floor to ceiling, but they, uh, there's a whole section there. That's Tom Selleck guns, the Quigley rifle, some stuff from, uh, Monty Walsh, some other, some other Tom Selleck guns are in there. Um, but it, they all say each gun says what, you know, where it came from, if it's on loan or if it's owned by the, the NRA museum or whatever. So it's kind of cool. Um, and then there's, you know, there's a few photographs sprinkled in through there too, for a little provenance, but it, anybody that's close to uh, Springfield, if you get a chance, whip into whip into Bass Pro Shops. But honestly, I mean, it's not just 
the store, there's enough stuff there that you could take the whole day and probably not see everything there is to see if you go there. They've got a new aquarium that opened up now. I mean, there's there's all kinds of fun stuff. We're gonna, it's on our list. We're gonna get back down there sometime and take a whole day just to go hang out at Bass Pro Shops, which doesn't sound cool, but it is. And if you want to see uh, videos with some cool uh, movie guns, Larry Vickers has a series where he went out to the prop house that Larry Zanoff works for. Oh, cool. And uh, he didn't, ha Larry wasn't in the video, sadly, but one of the guys he works with was, and they were looking at a bunch of the different movie guns that they have there that were used in various movies. That's awesome. Um, they're not movie guns, but if you want to see a cool collection um, and you're in Nebraska, go to Hastings. The basement at Hastings Museum has got a huge collection of firearms down there. There's even a giant, um, about an eight foot tall um, cutaway of a BAR. So you can kind of see the workings of it. I mean, this the, the, the magazine alone is about that. You know, it's, it's the rifles, you know, on its butt with the muzzle pointing up and this thing is, you know, it, it's way bigger than, than real life. But I mean, the magazine alone is, is about that tall from, from back to front, you know, sitting there. It's, it's just huge. It, it's really cool to look at though. Cause you can see all the inner workings of a BAR. So that's pretty neat. I didn't realize the display was still there. I think I saw it two summers ago. Yeah. No, dude, that's been there for years and years. Oh, it has been. Okay. Cause I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't been to that museum in probably a decade or more. I know? bet I have yeah. not been in that museum in 20 years. Oh, okay then. So yeah. So it was there yeah, then. Was there two years ago. Actually, Back in the late 90s. <laughs> so yeah, the last cool. time I was there was uh, when it was still an IMAX. It wasn't a super screen. It was an IMAX at the time. And I, we went and watched like the great barrier reef or something as we were with my family. I lobbied to go to Michael Jordan, which that's the movie I wanted to see on IMAX. So whenever Michael Jordan was in the IMAX that year, that's the last time I was in there, but it's been a good 20 years ago or close to it. Nice. So yeah, I did think of two movies real quick, just off yeah. the top. Well, I was doing a search on this. I'm like, okay, what movies have we seen? <laughs> um, Sicario. Yes. That's, I mean, the weapons handling in that is, I don't know about the second one, but the first one is, I have, it's I seen spot two. on. And then just the way that they are with them and stuff. And then uh, even like prepping the gear and everything. And then uh, Heat, the shootout at the end of Heat. I've never seen Heat. I need to watch that. Okay. Just, you can watch the final shootout on YouTube. There's like a little 12 minute clip of it that you can watch if you don't want to watch the whole movie, which is shootouts. I mean, the, and the sound, the audio is just unreal because it's echoing and they're shooting downtown. What was the other one? Um, Somebody oh, I saving Private Ryan, but uh, no, there was another one that they really got it right. Um, it had Ryan Philippi in it, and I think Benicio del Toro was it called The Way of the Gun or something like that? Oh, yeah, 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 yep. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, but I do remember now that I think about it, I remember uh, seeing something or reading something one other time where they were kind of talking about some movies get it right, some get it wrong, and I think they said The Way of the Gun. They, other than a few minor details, they pretty well got everything right. But then I turn around and I watch Shooter, the series with Ryan Phillippe and see all the times that they get it completely wrong. And I'm thinking, apparently he's, he didn't learn anything from that movie. So, yep. Cause they flag each other bad all over in Shooter. It's terrible. The the movie or the TV series? The TV series. Now I, I don't remember the movie. bad Mark gun handling with, with the, the Mark Wahlberg one. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I the the TV show that went what three seasons or something with Ryan Phillippe and and uh, um, Omar Epps was it left a lot to be desired in the way that they treated their guns and pointed them at each other when they shouldn't have. So well, when you get always give them the reality check and give them the Pulp Fiction where the uh, John Travolta turns around and blasts the guy in the back seat because he was the gun down. Yeah, goes off. yeah <laughs> bigger on the trigger. Pointed a gun at the guy's head and then they hit a bump yep. and that was it. Obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, the one that they where they set it downloaded and it just went off was uh, um, Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints, where the cat takes that himself. Poor out. cat. <laughs> Yo, that cat got <laughs> obliterated. Oh um, my god, that scene is just. Oh, we have to skip god. that scene at my house because. Oh, uh, my wife, she's she loves cats, but she laughed her butt off when she saw that scene. So yeah, my, mine did not laugh. She did not see the. Oh humor. my god. <laughs> but. Uh, all right. Well, does anybody have anything else they want to throw out there before we start wrapping up? Because it's getting to the point where we should wrap this one up, I think. It's a fun little you're discussion gonna, tonight, man. Yeah, you're probably going to laugh at this one, but another thing they tested on um, Hollywood Weapons was Rambo gun myths. Yeah. And the scene in First Blood Part 2 where he it's standing in the jungle with the M60 and just spraying it with one hand, that is plausible. It is. I've done it. I've done it several times. Targets doing that. So was the uh, pinning? Didn't they? Didn't they prove the pinning the guy to the tree with the arrow too through his head? Yeah, I think they got that one done too. Yeah, yeah. One handing an M60 is not hard at all. At first, it kicks really hard, and it's a little bit—I don't want to say uncontrollable. It's a little bit difficult to control, and then it just smooths right out. Yeah. It's really not that hard to do at all. And you always hear people say, no, nobody could do that. And Well, sure enough, <laughs> that can be done. There's a lot of things that Rambo did that nobody really could do, but. It's Rambo. It, but it's Rambo. That's just it. That's like his, uh, whatever that was, 150 pound draw bow with no let off. He was the best of the best. Yes, he was. But I, you know, when I was a kid, I actually came across a copy of the the novelization of First Blood Part Two, which I read that long before I ever saw First Blood. But uh, the cool thing is, I mean, if you've ever read the novels, at the end of the the at the end of First Blood, uh, in the novel, Rambo died; he did not survive. But then that is the foreword of First Blood Part Two was the author that said, "Okay, now I know I killed him, but they wanted to make another movie, so I had to change it." They filmed so here's another here's another book. They filmed the death scene. Did they? Is that on yeah, the deleted it, scenes? Yeah, but then it's in Rambo 4 in his nightmare scene that he grabs the gun from the colonel and kind of makes the colonel shoot him in the stomach. That's actually okay. in Rambo 4. But yeah, you're right. Okay. Um Double A is asking if I've seen Last Blood. Not yet. I need to uh I need to go watch that. Get it on Redbox or something. I did just recently rewatch the fourth one. Um, and it, I remember hating that when it first came out and then I wouldn't watch it for the longest time, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered it being. And I, I totally missed the ending last time. I didn't remember that at all. So, um, the ending of Rambo four, when he actually comes home and, and goes and, and finds, uh, finds his dad's place. So that was kind of cool. I, I didn't realize they were setting up last blood. You know, I just thought that all of a sudden he's, he's, you know, home in the States and has a ranch, but I see what happened there now. So that makes sense. 
but nope, haven't watched it yet. So, um, alrighty. Well, we will let everybody uh, say good night and uh, give any shameless plugs that they want to give um, before we uh, wrap things up here, and then we'll go through the list and tell everybody uh, hello and thanks for joining us. So we'll just kind of go backwards from how we introduced each other. So uh, Squib, we'll let you uh, have the floor to say whatever you want to sign off with. Good night. Good night. <laughs> All right, uh, Duke Liberty, we will move it over to you. All right, again, thanks for uh, having me on the panel. Really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Shot my first video yesterday, doing some editing, so looking Excellent. forward to, to, to starting that up, but really appreciate it, and uh, have a good night. Be safe. You know, before I move on, let me just say that uh, I've heard this from a lot of different people, and now I've started kind of saying the same thing. If anybody wants advice on uh, how do you get into doing videos on YouTube. Um, the best advice that anybody can give you is turn on the camera and make the video. It doesn't have to be good. Just start making videos. Eventually, you'll figure out what works, what doesn't. You'll start to refine them. And, and I mean, if you keep those old ones up on the channel, which I have done some, some well, everything that I've ever done, I think, is still up if you dig back far enough. Um, yeah, there's some rough stuff. Um, but, uh, I'm not that, that much more refined now than what I was when I first started just turning on the camera, but, um, yeah, just make those videos and edit them if you can and, and post them up and that's really cool. So, uh, make sure you, uh, make sure you get a hold of me with a link to that and I'll, I'll share that over on, on Facebook and share that around so that we, we make sure we find that there, Duke. Much, much appreciated. Yeah, you betcha. All right. We will move over to Mr. P11. All right, man. Appreciate the invite. Thank you very much. Hey, guys, make sure you subscribe to everybody here on the uh, panel this evening. There's lots of great content on their channels. Uh, otherwise, that's about it. I appreciate being here, and I look forward to, to being on in the future again. So thanks, man. Awesome. Uh, real quick, Duke, um, out there in the chat, Kinky wants to know what's the channel. Is it under Duke Liberty now, or what is the channel name? Duke Liberty is the name of the channel. Okay. Let me, before I go... Any further, let me just see if I can find... Yeah, I'm going to have to dig for you. Probably I can't find you yet because you don't have any videos up, huh? All right, I tell you what, we will... Uh, any of you that, that are out there on Facebook, just make sure that you uh, you like the Sandhill Shooter Facebook page. And uh, we will... Uh, I'll share the link to that once, once Duke gets it to me. Because I don't think you can search him right now since there's nothing up there even to find. So Yeah, thanks. Thank you. you. If he says something out there on the YouTube chat, you know, type something out there, they can click the three dots next to his name and go right to his channel from there. That's true. Or if, I don't know if you can get to the YouTube chat from where you are, Duke, but if even after this, uh, this renders on the replay, you can, you can leave a comment, you know, on the video down below it too. And then people will have, people will have that too. I think, can't you, can't you click on people from comments and get to their channel? Possibly, I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there he is, right there. I believe yeah, so. Sweet. So. Icon. Yeah. All you gotta do is click on their icon anywhere inside YouTube, and it'll take you right to their channel. There we go. I just went to the channel. So let's hit subscribe, and then we're gonna do this: copy, paste. There we go. All right. Thanks. There is really the link. That link to duke's channel right there in the youtube chat all righty can't wait to see that video can't wait to see what uh what happens he's got eight subscribers 
Uh, I would like to see that jump up to uh, at least 20 before the night is over. So let's see what we can do to get Duke Liberty some love. Um, oh, it says eight on there, but it actually says four. I still think we can get from four to 20, though. I think if everybody on the chat goes and, and clicks that link and subscribes to Duke Liberty, I think we're going to get you at least over 20 before the night's over. Yeah, it said six when I subscribed. Okay, well, this is maybe people are jumping up already because... I've got TubeBuddy showing the real time, and it's jumping up. I think I have to refresh the page for the actual channel header to. Yep, now it's up to eleven. I see what's happening. We're already eleven. We're over halfway there. We're good to go. All right, let's move right along, and we will move over to Kingpin. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I could hang out tonight. Had a really good time. Everybody have a good night. Thanks for being here. All righty, and Mr. White. Yeah. Check out this week on Loaded, Sunday nights between 8 and 9 p.m. Eastern, <coughs> oh, excuse me, over on the Unloaded Media channel. And last night I plugged your show since you weren't able to, since you had left early. So I think I'll plug Kingpin's channel. Go over and look at Kingpin's channel. He's got some cool videos over there. Check out what he's got up. Very true, very true. All right. And I think that is everybody. Looks like Travis jumped out. Um, he had to get on the phone, I think. Actually, Travis lasted longer than he normally does with us. So thanks, Travis, for being here. And he did get a chance to sign off. So um, all of you on the uh, on the panel, I do appreciate you uh, sticking with me through all of our technical difficulties and jumping over to the uh, the new and improved tonight's chat. And all of you out there on YouTube, I do appreciate each and every one of you sticking with us as well um, and being able to. Uh, to follow us and, and come over here and hang out with us. So uh, who'd we have out there in the chat? We had Kingpin doing double duty, Mystic Guns, Calaveras 32 Special was doing double duty for a while, but couldn't hang with us when we switched over. So he didn't actually get to be in the panel, but he was going to be in the panel if we had been able to go live right at nine when we tried to. Uh, Mike was out there, Dangerous Freedom, Grim 90, Duke Liberty doing double duty, Seven Wonders, Patriot in the Dark, Clint Taurus, Trauma Jock, New York Outcast, uh, Sarge was out there, C4 Defense, Rich White out there and in here, Net Flutter, Kinky Sphincter, Gun Snob, Two Live Moo, Tennessee Gun Guy, Obnoxious One, Orange Man, Obnoxious, uh, Weston Probes, Mad Sexy, Boob Sweat, Leads to Pearl Necklaces, Guy That Comments, uh, Armament and Axes, SS Pawn was out there, The Pork Conservative, MM53, uh, ABTC Inc., A Bloke's Two Cents, uh, Ohio 45 ACP. Good to see you. We got to hang out for a while in uh, Tulsa a couple years ago. Very cool guy. Uh, Tom Hires out there. Vanessa Kitty. Ashley at Gunstreamer. Haven't seen you out there in a while, Ashley. Good to have you with us. Hill Climb Ohio JB. Ghost was uh, out there. Didn't see Ghost. Uh, Gizzard Gary was out there. Ozzy Osbourne. Scott P79. Budget made it uh, in here, even though uh, he's probably the reason why we had technical difficulties because. Uh, I think they just bled over through the interwebs over to me. Um, just kidding. And then we had cross country adventures, which I don't think I've seen cross country adventures out there before. So, uh, and who's that good looking honky, uh, Peter North <laughs> porn star. <laughs> all right. Well, good looking honky. I see you out there too. So thanks for joining us. All of you on behalf of Travis P 11, Squiblo, Duke Liberty, Kingpin, Rich White, Sandhill Sweetheart, and myself. We love each and every one of you. Thanks for being here. God bless you, and get off my lawn.